yo, yo, yo. Welcome to episode number 61 of the Basketball Card Podcast. I'm your host, Adam. You can reach me at the real 27 guy on Instagram uh, or at basketballcardfanatic at gmail.com. Again, welcome. I apologize. It's been so long. Um, it has been a, a very busy time. It always is, but, uh, but the podcast has definitely taken a backseat to um, Basketball Card Fanatic. Um, and uh, and all of the efforts that go into that. But I love doing the podcast. I do miss it, and I'm grateful for those of you who have reached out to say, hey, Adam, I missed the podcast. So thank you guys for, for keeping on me to do it because I do want to keep doing it. It's just, it's all a lot. Again, welcome. A um, few announcements before we get started and get into our main topic today. The first thing that I want to tell you is that uh, Basketball Card Fanatic Issue 10 uh, is going to come out here in the next uh, eight days, um, or I should say, um, it will it will come out in the next 15 days. Sorry about that; I was calculating wrong there. But um, the release of the digital copy will be on June the 12th, and we will send it to the printer on June the 5th. That's why I was getting to the to the eight days. But uh, if you're interested in in getting one of those hard copies. You can order uh, by the morning of June the 5th um, by either going to Venmo or PayPal. Our Venmo is Basketball Card Fanatic, and our PayPal, you can just go to the link paypal.me slash basketball card. Again, paypal.me slash basketball card, um, or Venmo at uh, Basketball Card Fanatic. Either one of those will enable you to give us your address and, uh, and submit payment to be able to get the hard copies Hard copies are uh, 12 bucks each, or $35 for a three-month subscription, or $130 for a 12-month subscription. Guys, the support has been phenomenal, and I'm so, so grateful. So to those of you who are out there who are listening, who have helped support the magazine and its growth, I'm really super grateful. We're in, I think, the last count, it's about 30 card shops. Now, um, not all are, are uh, making it available for sale, but a good portion of them are. And uh, and so you know if you especially if you see the copy see a copy at your your card shop, uh, you know feel free to grab it there or to support it and let let the shop owner know that you're that you're interested, um, or you know at least check it out. The hard copies turned out really well. Grateful for our printers; they're doing a great job. And uh, as always, I'm just super grateful for Black Griffin Cards, who makes the whole thing look just phenomenal. He he's just crushing it. So um, it it looks it looks just about perfect. It really does. And uh, and that's that's because of Kevin. So thank you to him, and thank you to the printers and everybody who's involved in that. If you're if you're like a lot of people and you're more interested in just reading it digitally. Um, you can order through the same means, through either Venmo or uh, through paypal.me slash basketball card. Um, it's, it's $10 for one issue, $25 for three, or $90 for a year subscription. And either way is great. I'd just love to have those of you along for the ride who, who are interested. And to those of you who thought that you would never be interested in a basketball card magazine again, <laughs> but have still tried it out and ended up subscribing, I'm especially grateful for you. It's fun to fun to have people who think that it won't be a big deal to them end up being a big deal. All right. With all that said, um, you know we're still we're we're still working to 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 do a good podcast here and. And the podcast may end up being, you know, something that we do more of as, as time goes by. Um, but what I wanted to do today is 
wanted to share a story. Um, I'm gonna probably call this this podcast the best find I've ever been a part of. I want to tell you guys a story about something that happened to me back in 2016 um, that was um, really an incredible experience. And um, I think that you guys will like this story because I've been a part of some crazy things through the years. Um, I've been part of helping move you know, many large collections. Um, I've been part of uh, you know, famous athletes' uh, estates being distributed. Um, I've seen uh, I've seen some things that are that are public and a lot of things that aren't. And um, I have a lot of amazing sort of stories from the card shop and from all the collections that I've been a part of. I could share you know I've got thirty years of stories, guys, that I could that I could share, and I know a lot of you do too. We all have amazing stories. But the story that I'm going to tell you today is a story that I think is the best of all of those stories. And um, I hope that you enjoy it. So back in, um, and I don't have exact dates on these things, so I believe it was either towards the end of 2015 or um, towards the beginning of 2016, I found a comment on a blowout forums post indicating that a card had sold for far too little. The card, if I remember right, was a Michael Jordan SP Authentic 2003 Gold Autograph, number 50, and the card had been listed on eBay um, with a really blurry picture and a really terrible auction um, you know, listing, like a uh, title, and it had been listed with a buy it now price of $50. And of course, it had lasted approximately five seconds before somebody bought it. And then the item was sold, and uh, and this was was being talked about on blowout. Now in those days, we didn't have as many of the like totally straight up fake autograph cards, cards that had been like printed on, um, you know, where people are basically taking photocopies of cards and putting up an auction. You see those a lot right now. You see a lot of like triple autograph, like just huge, you know, hundred thousand dollar cards that are being sold for twenty bucks. You also see like quote unquote digital copies being sold really cheap on eBay now. But in the old days, you didn't really see as many of these things. And so when you saw a listing like this, what it probably meant is the person didn't have the card. The tip off to why this one was a little bit different though is that the image was so bad. It wasn't like somebody had copied an image from somewhere else. They had taken a super blurry image with like a, clearly like an old, um, an old digital camera it had numbers in the in the corner like you used to see on on cameras a lot back in the day like bright yellow numbers had the date on it and this and so it looked like this card was probably for real well i looked at this person's completed listings and this wasn't the first one of these types of cards that they had sold and it wasn't you know the first time that they had undersold things there were several jordan autographs that had sold for under $100 there was uh, there were some older inserts that had been sold, and there were some old inserts that had been listed and hadn't sold because they weren't very good. But some some higher end stuff. There were a few really nice Yao Ming cards that had sold for a lot, uh, or had not sold for a lot, but were cards that you would have thought would, would would sell for a lot. This person wasn't listing anything at like in in an open auction format. They were listing every everything at like small buy it now prices. So being interested in what was going on in the situation, I reached out to the individual. I sent them a direct message on eBay, and I said something like, 
Hey, just wanted to let you know you've been selling a lot of cards here that are really big cards, and it appears to me that you're selling them for, for far too little. Um, just interested to know kind of what, what, what's happening here. I didn't hear anything back um, at first, so I tried again and sent a similar image or a similar message, and I got a message back that I will never forget. The message that I got back said, I don't know how to tell um, what, in, what any specific individual card is worth. How is that possible? When you get a message like that, you know that something is wrong with the situation. Um, honestly, my first thought was, this is somebody who has stolen a collection. And they're trying to figure out how to piece it out. But I played it out a little bit further and asked some questions because not every time somebody doesn't know what's going on, that doesn't mean that they've stolen it. It just means that, that there is the potential that they've stolen it. There's also a chance that, they, they've, that they've inherited it or something like that. So I asked some more questions and um, I started a dialogue with this person that went back and forth and we wrote each other. Um, you know, I was I, I, I said I said listen if you are in a situation where you're going to be listing something again, um, I would be happy to tell you what I think the card is worth approximately. I'm not perfect at it. It's hard to tell in the market sometimes what certain cards are worth, but I can tell you pretty well what you know what a lot of your cards are going to be worth. And so I got this message back with a picture, and the picture had like three or four cards in it. I still remember what some of the some of the cards were. One was like a Yao Ming. Uh, insert from Topps Chrome that was autographed and one of them was a Julius Irving autographed jersey card and there were a couple other ones and so I did some quick research and I sent this person a message back and I said your cards are gonna sell between X and Y and I said you can list it at an open auction and that's how you'll best find out what these cards are gonna sell for but also if you were gonna do a buy it now I would list it a little bit higher than this and try to get somebody to buy it on a little bit of a higher price person said thank you Ran, it, ran them at open auction and then found that the cards sold for basically exactly what I told them that, that the cards were going to sell for. So um, we did that a couple of times. One, one thing happened in the, this process though was that um, one card was sold that was sold for quite a bit of money and um, after it was sold they mailed it out and the card was um, was we would guess, I would guess, received by the buyer, but the buyer claimed to never have received the card. Um, this individual was not um, intellectually or um, technologically savvy enough to deal with PayPal and, and tracking and those types of things. And so um, the seller lost about $1,000 on this card. And so they came back to me and said, what do I do here? And walking through, you know, how you, how you get the tracking and, and stuff like that. But the whole time I'm helping this person who, and I'm not getting anything out of it. Um, you know, I, I, I made advances along the way to say, hey, this is what your card is worth on the open market and this is what I would be willing to spend on it. But the person wasn't interested in selling to me and so, and that was fine. That, I, I didn't necessarily expect that they would be. Um, but in this instance where they had lost a lot of money on this uh, on this card that had sold for around a thousand dollars and hadn't and PayPal had just refunded the buyer, it kind of got a bad taste in their mouth and I think they realized I can't sell these cards on my own. I need help, and so um, so they reached back out to me and 
and said, you know, how, like, what, what else can I do here? And I walked them through some of the dangers of selling on eBay, but some of the things that they could do to make sure that they kept themselves safe. But the bottom line was the feedback was so low, right? Um, and so um, there was another couple of cards that were shown to me. And I looked at them and I said, here's what the prices would be. And I, I always get, would give a range. So I would say, I think this card will sell between $100 and $150. And then what I would do is I'd say, I would be willing to give you 10% off the low part of that range because um, that will guarantee that I have upside on it as long as my range is, is the right range. And so if it's worth $100 to $150, I'll give you $90. You know, it's worth $1,000 to $1,500, I'll give you $900. That's how I, how I structured this deal. Well, as I, as I started to do this, though, again, I was nervous about the potential of there being theft. And so the first thing that I purchased, kind of fortunately, was not a big group. It was three cards, I think, and I spent something like $160 total. As soon as I got the package in the mail, all of my worries about the cards being stolen um, were, were suddenly no longer an issue because the package that I got in the mail had a stamp with like um, the individual's name um, as well as like animals, <laughs> like a home, a whole home stamp like you used to see, like lab uh, home labels like you used to see a long time ago. You don't see them as much anymore. But I found out that the person who I was buying from was a female and uh, found out pretty, pretty quickly by looking at that stamp in her handwriting that she was not a young female, uh, she was older. And so I, I looked at this and, and, and you know, as time went by, we, we started talking about different things and I became more comfortable asking her questions. So one of the questions I asked, of course, was, and I, I, I pointed this out, and this was, this was early on, probably before, if I'm going in the timeline, this is probably before where I'm talking right now. Um, but I asked her at one point, I was like, where, you know, where did, where did these cards come from? Tell me, tell me more about the situation. And what I was told was that she had been married, um, and she had been married, you know, for a long time. But her husband had passed away um, sometime around 2009, 2010. And when he passed away, he left this you know, this collection, and they had kept it in a couple of rooms and in, a, and in a closet, but she hadn't really ever thought of what, you know, what she was supposed to do to do with them. She didn't know what to do with them. She knew that they were worth a lot of money, but she didn't know what to do. And so, you know, I, I then learned that she actually had started a website to sell her cards. She didn't know about things like eBay, but somehow she figured out a way to get somebody to help her to build a website. And she tried to sell the cards by the pound. That's right by the pound. So she was, um, she had this whole like closet and rooms full of cards and what she wanted to do was, what she thought was the best way to sell was to put an ad out there where you could buy a box of cards by, I think it was something like $30 a pound is what she was gonna charge for cards. Um, I don't get the sense that that worked out too well for her. <laughs> you can guess what most people would think about cards being sold by the pound. And nobody was ever going to find her site because this was like this little podunk site out in the middle of, you know, the internet where no one is ever going to find it. So then at some point she turned to eBay and uh, she started selling. But again, she didn't know the prices and that's why she ended up selling a $5,000 at the time Michael Jordan autograph for $50 and she made a few other mistakes along the way. So, but now that I had connected with her and I had, um, you know, 
started to teach her what some of these things were worth, I, I learned a lot of other things. I learned that I wasn't the only one who had seen these cards sell for too little on eBay. And I learned that she had been reached out to by a number of other people. In one case, um, the individual had sent her um, some images of cards that that, that that individual would be interested in. And one of the cards that they sent a picture to her of was of a Michael Jordan Jambalaya from 1997, the, 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 2000, the EX2001 set. And the individual said, if you find this card, her name was Anna. He's like, Anna, if you find this card, I will give you $200 for this card. Well, to her, it was all cardboard, and $200 was a lot of money. So when she happened to find that card in her collection, she messaged me and she said, hey, I have this guy who's interested in buying this card. He says that he would be willing to do $200. What do you think? Should I do it? And I just remember feeling like, oh my goodness, this collection is not a normal collection. This isn't just a there's stuff in here collection. There wasn't just one big Michael Jordan autograph. This is a comprehensive, significant collection. And, um, and so... You know, I told her the truth. I said, here's your history of Michael Jordan jambalaya cards being sold. The problem, of course, was that she, um, I don't think I mentioned this yet, she was terrible at taking pictures. She couldn't do it on her phone. I tried to coach her how to do it on her phone. She couldn't do it. She didn't, ha she didn't have a smartphone. She had like a flip phone. Um, she only, the only thing that she had was this old digital camera that like, she just could not figure out how to take good pictures with. And again, I tried to walk her through how to do it, try to teach her to turn off the flash because the flash would always ca cause, like most of the time she'd send me pictures, I couldn't even tell what cards they were. Um, most of the time she listed things on eBay, you couldn't tell what she was selling. She couldn't figure out how to do the listings. It's just this terrible situation um, for her where she just didn't know what to do or how to make it, how to make it work for her. So, you know, she sends me this image of this jambalaya card, and, and I know it's a Jordan jambalaya. I can see that. I can't see anything about the condition, though, guys. There's no way to tell any clue what grade this is. I don't know if it's a PSA 1 or a 10. So what I did is I, like, just straight up told her. I was like, here's what you have. Here's what a gem mint 10 has, has sold for in the last, you know, five years. There's not like there's a lot of sales data out there. But I said, here's what one has sold for, and here's what one has sold for, and here's kind of your range. Like, like, I can't tell you based on condition what this thing is going to be worth, but what I can tell you is that you have a really like significantly valuable collection there. And she said, I thought I did. I know my husband spent so much time with this stuff, and he said he had some great cards, and I knew it was going to be valuable, but I just don't know how to sell it. Now, she lived in a very different part of the country than me, and... I was willing, but I told her, I was like, listen, if you want help, if you want to know like what this stuff is worth, there's a few ways that you can do that. One way is we can get on a video. Um, at that point, I said we could Skype. And, said, and I said, you know, I'd be happy to help you if, if you want to do this. Um, she was unwilling to do that, though. I, the sense that I always got was that she was nervous about letting somebody into her life because she was worried about getting scammed. And to be honest, when you're an old person and you kind of don't know what you're doing, that's probably the smartest thing that you can feel is like this worry about getting scammed. 
so she um you know she she wouldn't she wouldn't like let herself sort of get too close to me in the process even though we were sending dozens of messages a week to each other um, she would take pictures these blurry blurry pictures and say are these worth anything are these worth anything and all the while she had a couple of other people who she was doing this with too um, where she was just trying to contact each of us as much as she could to to get us to try to buy things going back to the Jordan Jambalaya I told her I was like these these are this is what the range is and this is what you know it's probably worth but what I had to do is I had to assume an average condition and then again offer 90% of the low end of what um, of what the card of what the card would be worth and again this is a hard card to value because not a lot of them had sold she didn't want to list publicly because she'd had again she'd had issues listing cards publicly she just didn't know what to do and so there I am trying to coach her she's unwilling to talk on the phone she's unwilling to talk via Skype she's only willing to talk you know via email and um, and so I did what I what I could I did I did the best that I could but obviously cards like the Jordan Jambalaya I was very interested in, in acquiring and she knew that she knew that I was interested in acquiring as many of the big cards as I could so what I told her is you send me all the scans that you can send me a picture a scan with um, with six cards you would always take these like horizontal images with six cards on it with a little yellow date in the bottom corner and she'd say and I, I said just send me all of them and I'll tell you what I'll tell you what your cards are worth now, in that process I got a lot of scans that didn't have anything um, of, of value you know cards that that were that were not worth anything but in that process I was able to um, I was able to acquire um, and see um, some of the best cards um, that you could ever imagine. Um, a good portion, not all of them, but a huge portion of my big Michael Jordan cards all came from this same collection. You know, we're talking about guys, we're talking about cards like um, the PMG Championship and the Fusion Gold, just absolutely huge cards. And it was amazing because um, it was amazing for a lot of reasons you can imagine, but like every time I got an email with a picture in it, it was like Christmas morning. Right, like, is this going to be some you know huge card, or is this going to be nothing? And I get to write back to her and tell her this is like incredible, or this is this is worth nothing. Um, and and at some point she realized like, are you willing to buy all of my cards? And I was like, I'm willing to buy them all, but I'm going to tell you like, I, I, I'm going to just tell you what what the reality is on each of these. So I remember when she when she sent the the PMG championship to me, she said she was like. I see that this one's serial numbered on the back. Is this one a big one? And I told her I was like, Anna, this is, you know, this is a huge day for you. you know, you're you're gonna get thousands of dollars on this card, and uh, and uh, so you know the image quality was good enough that I could see that the card was serial numbered, but I couldn't tell what the serial number was. Again, I wasn't worried about the card being fake because um, her husband had passed away in 2000 I think like I said I think it was like 2009 and the cards had just sat there for years so um, he had stopped collecting by the way in like 2007 and so I'm going into a lot of the details here which some of you probably care about and some of you probably don't but the, the bottom line is she just had this this collection of 90s inserts and the early exquisite stuff that was just incredible um, early exquisite stuff she didn't have things like actually she didn't have 
The only thing that she had in early exquisite stuff was like Scottie Pippen and Yao Ming, of all of all things. She didn't have any LeBron or any Jordan, but um, but she had um, you know she just had all of these incredible cards. And what what occurs to me as I'm going through this is okay, this is an incredible opportunity to um, acquire some of the greatest cards you know that I would probably never have a chance at otherwise. In particular, because I was able to buy them at a discount. Um, you know, this the hard the hard part was pricing things in a way that would be best because again, I couldn't tell condition on anything. Like when I say I couldn't tell on the card, I remember the Gold Fusion, for example. I couldn't tell at first if it was if it was Pippin or Jordan who was on the card um, because at that point the card was not something that I knew as much about. Um, is obviously as, as we do now and so I, I got this image of this gold card I could tell it was a fusion and I could see this red silhouette but I had to go to like Google to look up the images to see you know who the card was of and and then know you know that it's serial numbered and that sort of thing and so a lot of it was like doing detective work at, at what cards she was actually sending the pictures of because the pictures were so blurry so anyway um, that was that was the truth. That was the the case with the the PM not with the PMG with the, with the gold. The PMG I knew was the PMG because you could see that that uh, the kind of the way that it shines on the front, and I could see that it had a serial number on the back, although I couldn't tell what the serial number was. And so anyway, I'm I'm buying all these cards and or I'm like making offers on all of these cards and letting her know like this is what it's worth. And I remember on the PMG I was like. Anna, this is a hard thing to figure out what the value is on it because a Jordan hasn't sold in so long. In the end, we used a Kobe Bryant as, as a comp, and I said, here's one that has sold. I think it was like a PSA 7 that it sold, and I said, you know, here's this one that sold. It's not the highest grade, and Kobe's worth, at that time, Kobe was worth like one and a half to two, uh, or I should say, Jordan was worth like one and a half to two times what Kobe was. So that's how we used, you know, that's how we created the comp, and then I would pay her 90% of whatever the whatever the low end of that was. And so obviously it worked out amazingly for me. It worked out amazingly for her because she was able to figure out what was actually worth something. And again, she didn't ever want somebody to come over to her house. I offered to travel there. I did everything I could to try to figure out how I could help her um, you know, be able to move the collection all at once because I just thought of her, and I told this, I said this to her a hundred times, like I, I hated the idea of her taking pictures of four to six cards at a time. I was like, there's a million ways for you to do this that are more efficient than this. But she wasn't comfortable with any of those ways. And she wasn't comfortable with me coming to visit her either. So bottom line, over the course of the next six months, maybe nine months, um, I helped her um, as she sent me images every day. Um, I helped her to know what was worth something and what wasn't. And most of it was, was good stuff, but there was a lot of stuff along the way that was garbage too. In fact, I wouldn't even say most of it was good, maybe half, I don't know. But like, there was a lot of great stuff and there was a lot of stuff that, that was just other parts of the collection, but she didn't, she didn't know how to discern between those two things. Um, as she sent me these images every day, I would tell her, here's, I would go and I would do the research to, to let her know what it was worth. And um, I would say, this is what I would be willing to offer. I told her like up front, you don't have to sell everything to me, but these are, you know, if you want to do extra research on any, any of these cards, that's fine. But these are the prices that I'm willing to pay. She, um, 
she got to the point where she just accepted my price on everything because she was selling to a couple of other people at the time. One was a guy out of Poland. He's a guy who she sold a ton of Scotty Pippen one-of-ones to. Um, and then there was another guy in Japan that she was selling to, but I think that both of them had US addresses. I don't think she would have been able to figure out how to send things internationally. I think she was sending both of them stuff at like US addresses, but then the cards were making it there. Um, for a while I could tell who was buying her stuff online because she had she had such unique stuff. She had, uh, I'll give you a few examples. She had like dozens of Michael Jordan jersey numbered cards. So like random insert, um, random like Michael Jordan insert only type set, numbered 23 of 23 or 23 of 99. For a period in 2016, suddenly you saw a lot of these. The reason that you saw so many was because they all came from her collection. I acquired something like 15 Jordan jersey numbered inserts. None of the major, like, nothing like crazy. They were all like, like sort of the offshoot upper deck, you know, Jordan inserts, but still like big cards. Um, she, uh, she sold, um, she had, she had, she had some other things that were interesting. There's a 2001 upper deck MJ's back or uh, yeah, MJ's back set. Um, it was like a 90 card set and and they did a gold parallel to 23. And as I looked back at, I remember at the time I looked back at eBay to see how many had sold. And in the previous year across the entire set, something like four cards from the, from the entire set had sold the entire year. Anna had over 200 of these cards, numbered to 23. That's right, she had the equivalent of over two sets, 10% of the print run. She had every, um, you know, she had every MJ only insert that you could ever imagine that wasn't like a one of one. If it was numbered to 23, she had it. If it was numbered to 100, she had it. She just had all of these cards. And so, you know, what I was doing was I was saying, like, I was seriously getting the images, looking online, figuring out exactly what they were worth, and then giving her a range and offering her 90% of the range. And I just did that over and over and over again. And what I was doing is then I was getting the cards, figuring out which cards I really wanted, which was um, not the majority, it was a, a small amount, but um, but I'd get the cards and I'd say, okay, which one of these can I afford to keep? And then I was moving everything else. I was selling it as fast as I could to create the cash that I needed to be able to pay her for the other things that were coming up. At the same time, I was selling a lot of the things that were in my collection so that I could have the cash to, to help fund all these things that I was buying from her. So I had cash coming from the things that I bought from her that I was selling, and I had cash coming from like all of my other stuff that was in my collection. I sold um, you know, I sold the remainder of what I had from Anthony Davis, for my Anthony Davis stuff. I sold um, a bunch of jazz stuff. I sold a whole bunch of 90s insert things. I sold, I, I sold even some of my uh, eminent stuff at the time. Um, so I sold, you know, I, I sold like a ton of stuff that I didn't want to, but I needed to create the cash to be able to pay for, you know, you know to pay for the, the cards that were in this collection. And again, I always wanted to make sure that I was offering more than the other guys that were out there who she was, who she was showing stuff to. But every time she showed me something, she, she'd showed somebody else and she'd say, how much do you think this is worth? And I'd tell her, she'd say, oh, that was twice as much as the other guy said. So I felt like I was being fair. Um, and really like maximizing the tools that were around me to, to be able to 
to bring all of this stuff in. And again, that was important because, um, one, because at this point she'd become a friend. And um, she was somebody who I wanted to help. But two, because like I wanted to own the big cards. I knew this was going to be the only chance I was ever going to have at acquiring some of those things. And um, you know, the money that I was able to make on the cards that I was selling and the cards that were in my own collection allowed me to acquire some of these things. So um, you know, it was an incredible time. Um, to get those images every day was just was just awesome. A point came after that six to nine months where I got, um, I felt kind of permission to, from her to ask her a question that I'd tried asking a few times. I felt like I might get a different answer. I said to her, like, Anna, I've told you all along that there are you know, ways that you can move this collection easier and I never felt good about you just taking all of these pictures and spending all this time and energy, um, you know, selling. Like, we could make this far more efficient to you. I'm happy to come visit you, but I do sense that you're not, that you don't feel totally comfortable with that, which again, I think was probably smart of her. I don't think, you know, especially as you get older, you probably don't want random people coming to your house that you don't know um, from, you know, from hundreds or thousands of miles away, especially. Um, but I said, maybe we can work something out like on consignment basis. You send me stuff and I will get it sold for you. And all I was doing at that time, again, was using, using the consignment companies. I was sending the consignment companies hundreds of cards a week to, to get sold for her. Um, and a lot of those were cards that I had originally bought. But then when I reached out this time, she agreed and she started sending me boxes of stuff. Some of the boxes, again, were not good and they were not able to be sold by you know consignment companies. They were cards that I had to figure out other ways to move. But some of the cards were huge. And so you know she started sending me boxes and she would send me like a couple of boxes a week and it was going really well. By the way, it's also pro probably important to remember, this is back in 20, at this point, back in 2016. And in 2016, stuff was worth way less than it is today, okay? Way, way, way less money than it is today. Um, although I've been smart enough to hold on to a bunch of these big cards that I acquired from her, they weren't worth, in many cases, they weren't worth 10% of what they're worth today. Um, so I, um, you know, I, I kind of arranged this consignment thing with her. And then one, one day she sort of, and this was, not a good moment, she sort of disappeared. Um, she didn't respond to emails. And that was weird because, again, we exchanged lots of messages every day and suddenly she was gone. And she was gone for about a week and then finally she came back and she told me, she's like, Adam, I'm so sorry. I had to go away because I've actually been in hospital. I haven't been doing well. And obviously, you know, that had me concerned. And I told her, like, Anna, like, let's make sure we keep you safe. Like, that's, we get you healthy. That's the main thing. Whenever you're ready to start doing this again, let's do it. But, like, please take all the time you possibly can. Get healthy. Get well. And I'm here. Like, she had, at this point, by the way, when we started the consignment thing, she had told the other guys, the guy from Japan and uh, the guy from Poland, like, she wasn't going to be dealing with, with them anymore. 
um, that she was just going to send me all the stuff. Um, she was tired of all the work. And so I said, you know, I was like, okay, let's, let's get you better. Um, but, but she said, you know, I'm, I'm interested in, in, you know, obviously maximizing what I have here. And that, at that point she told me, she's like, I've been um, waiting to redo my kitchen for a long time. And, you know, I'm going to be able to redo this kitchen now that, you know, she had, I had at this point given her, you know, tens of thousands of dollars for her collection. Um, and, you know, with, with the consignment stuff that I had coming in, it was clear that she was going to end up having made, you know, well over, well in excess of $100,000 for all this stuff. And so, you know, I, I was obviously happy to keep helping her, but I told her, I was like, hey, let's just go at your pace. Well, um, I, got, I got a couple more boxes and then um, she disappeared again. And she was gone for a day and she was gone for another day and she was gone for another day. And um, I was sick. And then one day, um, I got an email, and the email came from um, somebody who I didn't know, but it said, this email is regarding your friend Anna. And so I get the email and I open it, and I kind of had a bad feeling as soon as I you know, got the email, but um, the email said something like, Adam, I am aware of your relationship with Anna, and I know about the... Um, you know, the connection that you guys have had, she's talked and it, it, it made me feel good because she said, you know, she's talked to me a lot about, you know, your arrangement and I know she's enjoyed talking to you and, and, you know, she said a few other things that were like super complimentary. She said, I have to I regret to inform you that, that Anna passed away a few days ago. And, um, it's hard to, you know, for those of you who are listening to this um, and listening to me sort of just tell this long story, um, you probably have your own sort of like judgment of me and of who I am as a human like already in your mind. Um, and maybe you have an, an anticipation of how I felt when I got that email. But um, what, I, what I would tell you is that I was heartbroken when I got that email and I was heartbroken for... Uh, days, weeks later, because Anna had become a, a real friend of mine. Um, you know, I had learned about her. I would learned about her marriage. I learned about her husband. I, I knew about her house. I knew about her um, wanting to replace her kitchen. I knew, like, I had exchanged hundreds, if not thousands, of emails with her. And um, when I got that email, it broke my heart. Um, that same day, I got the very last package um, from Anna. And I knew that there were other packages that she was working on and she's working on getting ready, but I got the very last one. And um, I will never forget opening it. I was in the same office that I'm, that I'm in today. Um, and, I op and I opened this last package knowing she was gone, you know, looking at the, 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 um, her writing my address on the front and that stupid label that she had with her, with her name and her address and the animals on it in the upper left-hand corner. Um, and, you know, she, she was gone. And it was, uh, it was really, it was, it, for any of you who've lost a friend, it was, it was like a day that I lost a friend. The thing that you're thinking, though, and the thing that I'm usually asked when I've told the story, I've probably told the story, I don't know, 10 times through the years. Whenever I tell the story, people are always quick to say, but you had all of this stuff that 
you know, tens of thousands of dollars that she'd sent you for consignment. What did, what did you do? That's a really interesting story. So I had to go through, I learned about like what probate is <laughs> and I learned, um, I learned what, what, what to do. I actually looked her, looked her number up since I didn't have her number to call her. I looked her number up online and I called a random number and left the random voicemail that her, that a, a gal who she was living with, um, uh, got and she was like really mad that I called at that number and I was like trying to call her to tell her that I I potentially had tens of thousands of dollars to give to her family that like that like I that was not rightfully mine right so like I mean again put yourself in my shoes the person who you're consigning on on the behalf of or you're acting as a consignment company on behalf of is suddenly gone and you've got tens of thousands of dollars worth of their, worth of their stuff what do you do it's definitely like a test in my like um, ability to be an honest person because I thought, I mean, I, honestly, I thought, well, what is my right here? What do I need to do? Do I just keep this? What do I do? And I have a couple co coworkers. One of them was like, you're crazy if you give any, anything back because nobody even knows that you have these cards. You know, nobody knows what they're worth. Nobody in her family knows. But again, I didn't feel like that was actually like the right thing to do. So I contacted, um, I, I, I sent this random phone call. Or I call. I made this random call to her to a voicemail that I found on like the online white pages or something or yellow pages. I don't even remember what it was. Um, and I left a message. I didn't get a call back based on that. I found her obituary um, online, and I ended up sending flowers. And um, and when I sent the flowers, I also left a note in with the flowers, and I just said, "Hey, I've been helping Anna with something with her with her cards." Um, you know, I would love to, to continue to help whoever the beneficiaries are. And by the way, I knew she didn't have any kids. And I knew she was old. And I knew obviously she wasn't married anymore. Um, she told me about her sister being a connection. And I was hoping that her sister would connect or would contact me. I did end up talking to her sister, but um, I talked to her husband more. And her husband, and it was funny because when I first talked to him, he was like, so what's going on? And I was like, look, I'm just like, I'm just gonna like just tell you like I have thousands of dollars of Anna's property here and I just want to know what to do with it like I their cards they're like this this incredible collection and I don't know what to do with these things so um, I like let me tell you what my arrangement was and I can obviously continue with that and then and then give you guys the cash if you're the beneficiary and so he ended up sending me this legal letter that showed that his wife was the beneficiary and anyway, I've made a, a really long story longer than it needs to be, but but in the end, it was like, okay, I'm gonna just I'm gonna do what I was doing for Anna, um, and I'm going to sell the rest of these cards and continue to take my percent, um, which was like twelve percent um, of the total sell is what I got, um, or no 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 that's wrong I think it was like twenty percent, um, yeah it was like twenty percent. So, um, but as part of this, as part of this, it was, um, um, and again, remember this is 2015, it's a very different time. A lot of the tools that we have now, we didn't, or 2016, a lot of the tools that we have now weren't exactly the same yet. And it was, it was different and it was weird, but like, like I, I let this guy know, I was like, Hey, I, um, you know, I've got all this, this stuff of value. Let's, let's sell these things if, if you're up for it. And obviously that's what I wanted to do. But part of the arrangement also was if there were any other if there were any other cards that I really wanted that we would be able to do what we did before, you know, which was 
let me tell you the range and let me let me buy this from you at 90% of what the low end value will be. And so, you know, as I'm getting these boxes, I'm going through and there were not actually that many that I that I was super interested in. Um, most of them we just ended up selling from the consignment group. But there was one card that came across via consignment that, um, guys, I, I got a flat rate box with a bunch of Jordan and Pippin and Kukoc stuff in it. The most amazing Tony Kukoc collection you've ever seen. It was incredible. But like just box after box of this amazing collection. And this one box I got was just almost all junk. But I knew the collection well enough to know that I had to look through every card to make sure I was good. At the bottom of the box, like underneath the flap thing, you know how like when you fold over, when you fold over the box, you get like the, the extra layer that's just like there. Underneath the flap thing, they're like one of the very last cards, not the very last, but one of the very last cards I pulled out of the last box um, was, um, I just realized there's part of the story that I want to tell you that, I, that I've forgotten, but, or they forgot to mention, but the, one of the very last cards that I pulled out of, of this last box was a Michael Jordan Playmakers Theater, um, number 20 of 100, still in my collection today. And so I got to reach out to uh, Anna's brother-in-law and say, hey, just so you know, I found this huge card in this box. Um, and most of the box was junk, but this one card is really huge. I would love to buy this. I'll sell the rest of the stuff from you, but here's what, you know, here's what it's worth. And I gave him a range and I said, this is, this is the range and this is what I, this is what 90% of it is. And that's what I'm willing to pay. And he couldn't have been more thrilled. Um, you know, they had enough money from, from this collection that they got to like do some really awesome things with it. And, um, the other part of the story that I want to tell you though that I forgot that was crazy was when she passed away, um, I, I did get to talk to her her roommate, the one that I mentioned earlier, um, the one that wrote me the letter. She, this roommate messaged me and said, um, like, hey, I know about this arrangement. I want to continue the arrangement with you and I will send you the cards and you send me the money. Well, I would have been fine with that if she was the owner of the cards, but I had to tell her, I have to know. So I got on the phone with her and we were talking about all these things and she's like, yeah, I know, you know, you've been working with Anna and you've been sending her thousands of dollars and like, I want to continue this arrangement. Um, so can, can we continue this arrangement? And she's like, I've got these three boxes here. Um, and she's like, and, not, and besides these three boxes, like I've got all this other stuff. And I was like, oh, you've got three boxes. What are those from? And she said, oh, before Anna passed away, she put together these three boxes and they're just sitting by the door. And I was like, oh, wow. I was like, let's figure out legally what we need to do. And I kind of gave her this long story. And then I talked to her like, it's like four or five days later. I don't know, maybe two or three days. It's obviously a blur now. It's five years ago. Um, but she's like, she was like, yeah, yeah, well, let's, well, let's talk later. But there's a whole bunch of other stuff. I'll start to get it ready. And so um, I talked to her a few days later. And when I talked to her, she's like, we still have the three boxes here. She's like, and she said, she's like, you know, unless you know but she's like the the brother-in-law who she painted to be like a really bad guy that wasn't my experience with him but whether he was a bad guy or not he was the legal beneficiary along with her, with his wife um you know she's like he's coming over he's like looking through the cards and like trying to figure out what might be worth money he just wants to take everything that's worth money out of this house and i don't want him to do it and, and it, it occurred to me like that she was trying to angle to get her to get value out of these things and although I liked her, she wasn't somebody who had a legal right to that. So it was um, it was a hard situation as far as that goes. But when I got on the phone with her, she's like, yeah, he came by and he was looking through the cards. He even He took some stuff, but he didn't take any of the big stuff. And then she's like, and then she just started screaming when she was on the phone. 
and she started swearing and she said he took the boxes you know and she swore she swore a lot i can't believe he took the boxes and i was like what boxes and she said he had taken the boxes and the anna had packaged up before she passed away and so you know he um he um had left with them and i was like oh wow that's that's crazy but you know apparently he you know he knew it was likely that they could be worth a lot of money and so um you know at that time though i had already made contact with him and with his wife and um you know they they knew what i like i basically informed them that this stuff that they probably thought was all junk back at anna's house was a was just a treasure you know it was this amazing treasure and worth thousands of dollars. And so of course that's why he took the boxes away from, from the roommate. Well, it's a good thing he took those because you know, after I sent him the first check for like 12 grand, um, he, he knew that I was, he knew that I was legit. Um, <laughs> he wouldn't let me send, send him PayPal. I had to send him a check, which was funny. But anyway, I sent, I sent him that. And then he, after he got the first check and it, it cleared, he sent me the other boxes and I got to send them, you know, tens of thousands of dollars more over the next, few months the the bad thing was the roommate did go back through everything and found this just unbelievable rest of the collection and i know she sold it for pennies on the dollar to a to a local um to a local pawn shop it was funny because i showed like i was i was just looking you know for for cards online that i knew were of this same collection and that i'd be able to tell and one day um all these big rodman inserts showed up I got, I got to be part of most of the big Jordan inserts um, and all of the big Kukoc inserts and a bunch of the big Pippins. But, um, but the Pippin exquisite stuff and the, um, the Rodman 90s inserts, I didn't get to be part of. I didn't ever get to see that stuff, but I saw it show up one day. And when it showed up one day, I was just like, I know that's hers. I know it is. Rodman credentials, um, essential credentials, future was out there. A bunch of big Yao exquisite cards were out there, and I just knew where they'd come from. I knew what collection they were from, and you know I could see see where they were located, and I just knew it. Um, you know, she had st the roommate had stolen had effectively stolen them, and I don't know if um, the brother-in-law ended up pressing charges, but I told the brother-in-law just so you know, like there's suddenly all these cards that are available at this pawn shop, and I. Like I know for sure that they came from Anna's collection. So anyway, um, over the course of the next few months, I was able to move on from all of uh, the collection or and buy, um, buy, buy the Playmakers Theater. Um, in the end, um, I acquired you know just um, an incredible um, group of cards from this collection. And um, it's something I'm really grateful for. It's something that I don't take for granted. Um, you know, I am lucky for Anna, or I'm lucky, lucky that I met Anna, and that I, that I was the one who got to be, you know, probably the the person to help her with the majority of it. I don't know what percentage of the collection that I got. I, I never really had a big, a great sense of that, but it was probably less than fifty percent, but more than. You know, more than thirty percent. I was probably the person who got the most of it, um, or at least got to got to help move most of it. Um, but it was, guys, it was it was the most amazing '90s insert collection um, that you could ever imagine. Um, it was just immaculate. It was. I mean, I'll give you some more highlights. Um, I didn't get these, but I know she had um, 
PMG multiple PMG Reds of Scotty Pippen. Um, I didn't get this, but I know she had a credentials, uh, essential credentials um, future of of Jordan that she sold to somebody else. She sold uh, over a dozen Scottie Pippen one of ones to the guy in Poland. Um, all of the gold labels, a bunch of like flare showcase. I got one of the Scottie Pippen um, showcase one of ones that I just wish I would have held on to, but. I had to sell most stuff uh, during that time to, to try to fund the cards that I did keep. I kept probably originally like 20 cards, and now I probably own, I probably still own like 10 or 12 cards from the collection. Um, mo a lot of my big 90s cards are from that collection. Not all of them, like I said, but a good portion of them are from the collection. And, um, you know, if there's one great decision that I made along the way, it was that I didn't sell those big ones. There's other cards that I wish that I wouldn't have sold, you know, like that Pippin. There was um, there were a few other big Jordan cards and big Yao cards that I had to move that I didn't want to. But but the one of the cool things about it is, um, you know, to know that those cards, he stopped collecting in like 2007. To know that those cards um, were in this guy's collection 2007 or before really um, ensures how ensures that they're real um, in the case of some of the 90s inserts some of them some of those cards now you kind of have to wonder like what's real and what's not even if they're graded but um, on a good portion of my big MJ's I know I know where they came from I, I can actually trace them back to at least 2007 and and very likely from before that so um, it was um, Again, as I said in the beginning, uh, the title of this is the best find I've ever been a part of. It was the best find I've been a part of. And um, it was the coolest experience in the hobby that I've been a part of. Um, I, um, I think there's a lot of things to learn from this story. I think the first thing to learn is that um, just being kind to people and Telling them actually what you know um, can be really can be really beneficial to you. So sometimes people think that like you should be super secretive and not tell people what things are worth. But I actually take the opposite approach. I will tell people this is a huge card, and let me tell you why, and let me tell you how much it's worth. Um, and in the cases where I'm telling them how much it's worth, if I don't really know, I have to tell them that I don't really know. So if something's, you know, something hasn't sold in a long time, then you say, this hasn't sold in a long time, and so I'm having a hard time telling what it's worth, but here's what I think it's worth, and this is why. And I would like, and like give like a, give a really honest report of that. People like that. People want to, people don't mind if you're making money, but people do mind if you're, if you're not being honest. So that's like the first thing that I would tell you is like, be super honest. Um, Second thing I would tell you is like every time you see somebody who's selling something for far too cheap, um, you know there might be a good reason for that that isn't like that that they're selling something that's bad or something that's stolen. It is important to keep on to be careful of those things though because you don't want to be somebody who ever buys something that's stolen. You don't want to buy something that's stolen. If you buy if you bought something that's stolen, you bought somebody else's property, and regardless of what the legal rules are you just never want to own something that that shouldn't be yours and so you know you, you want to be careful with those sort of things every time you're buying a big collection you want to know where it's coming from so I was kind of proud of myself that I you know didn't want to 
you know, that, that I that I knew before I bought any of the big things that I was buying from somebody who actually, who it belonged to. Another great lesson from the story is if you do have a big, really big valuable collection, make sure your family knows it and make sure they know what to do with it when you're gone. Um, Anna would have had a lot more help if her husband would have let her know beforehand, here's what you could, here's what you could do, do with it. Um, because his collection was so mixed between really great stuff and stuff that wasn't as great, um, you you kind of wish that she was able to. Um, you couldn't just send it to a consigner because then the consigners. You couldn't just send it to a consignment company because then the consignment company would like not. I don't know. Maybe they would pull out the big stuff, but like, I I, I didn't. I don't know if I mentioned this earlier. I helped her get some stuff graded when we were doing the consignment thing and. And once she trusted me, I was able to like get the cards in my hands and tell what was graded. But again, through her terrible images, no fault fault of her own. She's she's an older female who had a hard time with technology. It's okay, she didn't know how to do it. But um, there's no way that I could have told, excuse me, through a through a um, an image what what condition a card was in. Like I said, in a lot of cases, I had a hard time identifying what the card was. And not just because I couldn't read the writing, because guys, I know basketball cards. Like you can basically put any basketball card in front of me and I can tell you a story about it. Like I've got 30 years in just this world of basketball cards, right? Like even if the image was really blurry, I could usually tell you what it, what it is. I don't have to be able to read like the trademark and, and the copyright and all that stuff on the back. I don't have to, I don't have to read any of that. I can usually just tell what the thing is and give you a history of it. Um, but with hers, I couldn't because I couldn't even tell like who was on the card or what the design was. I couldn't tell if something was a refractor all the time. I mean, in a lot of cases, you can tell even if something's blurry. But um, but you know, it was it was really hard to to um, to do it perfectly. So anyway, back to that third point. I I just think that we all need to make sure that with our valuable collections, that there is a plan put in place for when we go. You know, like when, when it's our time and our lives are over, we need to make sure that our families know what's going to happen with them. I have a few friends who um, who have told their spouses, a couple older friends that have told their spouses, that when they go, their job, the spouse's job, is to contact me to help them to, to get the most out of their collections. Now, again, I don't feel bad about taking that, taking a percentage of that. But if I get a big collection in my hands and there's a, you know, there's a hundred thousand dollar card in it, I'm going to sell that card and I'm going to get as much money for that person as I can, and uh, and and then I'm going to take my percentage and I'm going to feel great about that. Um, you know, if you can build relationships with people where they find that trust in you, then you can be used in that way. I've done that from more than a couple of people. Um, and um, and if you find somebody who you really trust, who you feel like can take care of you in that way, I would recommend that your spouse knows about that person or that your kids or whoever is going to take care of it. Most of us don't have kids or, or, or family that are really going to cherish the items when we're gone, right? They, they'll probably cherish the memories they can get from the, the money that they can get from the cards. So, you know, the Anna's, Anna's husband in retrospect probably should have done a you know probably should have done a better job of that but I will say this when Anna's husband passed away the cards were worth a small fraction of what they were when I bought them uh, or when when Anna when Anna um, 
finally pulled them out after years and years, right? She was blown away what they were worth by the time I bought them. And and since I purchased them, obviously they've exploded in, in a whole nother in a whole nother dimension that we could never have foreseen when um, you know, when I when I actually when I first purchased the cards. So um, you know, there's even even if you you don't think your cards are worth very much, it might be good to still have a plan in place um, with your spouse to let them know like how to maximize value on it. I've probably said enough about that, but but yeah, I I learned a lot of lessons, guys. Um, you know, I I could I could I've already spent an hour talking about this, and I I've spent. I don't know, dozens of hours thinking about it because um, because it was such a unique experience, um, because it was so meaningful to me, um, and um, it's something that I'll that'll probably you know it's something that I, I definitely will never forget. Uh, I'll never stop being grateful for. Um, it's something that that changed you know changed me as a collector, changed us you know, financially. Um, it was it was just a tremendous experience, and um, I'm I'm grateful we could help. Um, obviously, I wish she was still around. Um, I wish I would have been sending her those those last few really big checks instead of her family, um, her sister and her brother-in-law. But um, but I'm glad that I'm glad that she you know that she got some real joy out of it there towards the end, and that we had a year. Um, where we got to be good friends and, and got to communicate every day and, and I, I don't I, I get the sense that it was meaningful to her but I know it was meaningful to me so this has been a weird conversation I know for a podcast because uh, we don't always just talk about human relationships and, and, and things like that but I wanted to tell the story in a way where I could just say here's what happened um, it, it doesn't so sorry I'm interrupting myself I wanted to tell my tell the story in a way where I could say here's what happened here's how I acquired some of these amazing cards and um, and I wanted to tell it in a way that was just like like what I thought and what I felt along the way and so um, you know I I am a little bit hesitant to tell the story because I think there will still be people who will hear it and they'll think, oh yeah, Adam probably was dishonest. Adam probably did this or he's probably leaving this part out or this or that or whatever. But like, I just told you the story and that's, that's what happened. And, um, and again, it was, it was the coolest thing. I still look back at the old emails. Um, I still, you know, go back and read our, our back and forths. Um, I don't have all of them because Gmail, my Gmail has gotten so full that I've had to delete stuff through time. If you're like me, you like choose a specific word in your in your Gmail of something that you want to get rid of or something you want to like delete. And so when I'll do that, sometimes it'll pick up sp- other things that I didn't mean to delete. But um, but I do still go back and look at at, at uh, you know from time to time. I'm not going to say like every like maybe once a year or something. I'll go back and I'll look at look at some of those messages that I got from her and. Um, it was so cool, and uh, and yeah, the whole the whole experience was was a joy to be a part of. Um, 
and uh, and I'm really grateful for it. And I hope you guys liked listening to the story today. Um, I'm well over on my time. I wanted to go for 40 minutes, and I've gone for an hour and three. So I'll just conclude by saying how grateful I am for that experience. And um, also just want to say thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Um, my guess is as you've listened to this today, either you've gotten bored and you haven't continued listening, or you've been like hanging on every word thinking about what it would have actually been like to be in my shoes. I just say it was incredible and, and it's something that I'm thankful that I was a part of. And I'd you know, encourage each of you to look for those same opportunities um, to help people. And, um, and you know, t- the best kind of things are, thing- are things like this where you're helping somebody and you're really helped in the process, right? This was not something I, I said to her along the way a couple times was, not a couple times, I said this a lot. I said, um, I would say something like, Anna, just so you know, there's a lot of people like me who know how to sell cards. (laughs) There are not a lot of people like you with this type of collection. You are the scarce resource here. You are the scarce resource. And I would tell her that over and over and over again. I think by the end, she finally kind of realized. Like, I'd tell her, Anna, a lot of people have collections to sell. Not a lot of people have this type of collection to sell. You have one of the greatest collections of you know 90s basketball cards that i've ever seen and you don't even know it you know it's just sitting in your sitting in your house like just some of it was you know some of it's just sitting out some of it's in her in her closet it's just just all over the place and uh and uh yeah like like i said um her her sister and her sister and not her sister-in-law her sister um couldn't even find all the cards when they when they first went into the house um, there were that many of them they were scattered all over the place and, and like I said a bunch of them ended up making their way to a pawn shop but uh, uh, anyway I'm, I've been all over the place today but I hope you've I hope you've liked this story I want to take this chance here at the end to again thank those of you who've supported basketball card fanatic um, basketball cards had um, had been you know the the one real um, hobby of my life, and uh, and I'm thirty something years into the hobby at this point. I'm not going anywhere. I love it. I've got stories and stories and stories, and 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 a far larger part of my brain that is devoted to basketball cards than I wish was devoted to basketball cards. Um, I wish I could take it and put it into something more useful, but I've just loved it through the years, and um, and I'm grateful that I get to that I get to do the magazine and do the podcast, and that you guys support things like that. Um, I also want to thank our sponsors, uh, the sponsors of the magazine. Um, we have a few, um, and there's a couple that are really close uh, close to closing on that I won't mention yet because they haven't closed. But I want to tell you guys, um, you know, PWCC has been awesome to work with. Um, they've been our biggest sponsor so far, but they won't be in the next couple of days. We'll have a couple of other ones that I think are bigger. Um, Alt uh, was our first sponsor, and I want to thank them for being the first to sort of see see that part of us, uh, see see the, that that we we were a worthwhile um, entity to to partner with, and I hope that that uh, we can help them to grow. Um, and then um, Platinum Breaks was very kind at, uh, at being one of our original sponsors as well. We've signed a new sponsor last week. And that is uh, a company that I'm really excited about um, in the grading space, and that is CSG. 
Um, CSG is a company that um, that has been around actually for a really long time, but you may not have heard of them as CSG. They started um, or they specialized in comics, and they also grade other they, they grade other things as well. But, but they're kind of known as one of the industry experts in comics. Um, they have uh, purchased a full page for, from us uh, for the next six months. And um, and basketball card fanatic couldn't be happier to support them. Their their slabs are actually really interesting, guys. A lot of people don't like that they're that they're not exactly like the other um, grading companies. Um, they don't like they have like a larger portion on on the top of the slab that for, for the label. But I love their security for features. I love how clear the cases are. Um, I like the company, and uh, I think they're positioned to potentially be that that third group that, that we need there. Um, you know, there's there's also SGC out there too. Um, and so, you know, there's other there's other grading companies, but CSG is probably the one that's impressed me the most other than the big two. And so I'm grateful to add them and grateful also for those other couple that I think are going to join us here in the next couple of weeks. So um, again, if you're interested in, in subscribing to Basketball Card Fanatic, I think you will love it. The reviews have been... Um, have been universally wonderful. Almost everyone who buys an issue subscribes. Um, some people kind of forget that, that they should subscribe, um, and then later they realize, oh shoot, I should have subscribed, and they go and they, they order all the old back issues. All back issues are still available at a discounted price, but more than anything, I'd love for you guys to get the magazine regularly with everyone else. You know, I'd love for you to order it and to support it, and again, I want to thank the LCSs that are supporting it and the, the subscribers and um, the writers, the contributors of the magazine that are doing such a good job writing. I want to thank Remington, our associate editor, who, is, who makes it sound so much better. And again, Kevin Black Griffin Cards, who is the heart and soul of uh, Basketball Card Fanatic. Um, without him, it, it just doesn't work. So um, it's, it's a job that we're all working on, and we want to make, we want to make the hobby a happier place. We want to make you a happier collector, a happier, more knowledgeable collector. Um, and I think, you know, I think we're, I think we're doing that. I, again, I, I get messages every, and if not every day, at least multiple times a week that are like, dude, BCF is freaking awesome. I love this. You know, you changed, you know, my perspective on how I collect. We've got people who are enjoying the hobby without spending tens of thousands of dollars. People who are enjoying the hobby because they can pick up a magazine and read about what's going on, read about a specific set or something that happened or new companies or all the other things that we're writing about. And people feel that nostalgia um, from when they were a kid um, and, and reading something that's that's higher quality maybe than then. Um, you know, it's all well written. It's all really well done. It's long too. It's 32, 36 pages in an issue at this point. So, and it's well designed and the whole, the whole thing is great. So... I would encourage you to subscribe. Um, again, paypal.me slash basketball card or Venmo us at basketball card fanatic. $35 for three to subscribe to three um, um, physical copies or um, $25 to subscribe to three digital copies. Just do it. Take the time. If you enjoyed the podcast or enjoy the content, please do it. I think you will like it. I think it'll be worthwhile. I think, uh, I think sometimes great content is worth paying for, and we are working for it. I promise you we are working for it. So um, on that note, um, I want to thank you guys again for joining the, the um, podcast today. It was a long one. Sorry about that. 
Um, but uh, we'll try to not make it another month in between now and the next one. And as I always say to you guys at the end of every episode, happy collecting.